already off to a good start. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's the 11th of March, 2016. This is the 32nd episode of the Soybean Pass Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing well. All right. Yeah. Spring it, is in the air. Yeah, it is. It Trees is. are doing things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're doing stuff. The, uh, maple trees, I've been told, have... Um, busted open and our uh, postdoc who's helping us with the beekeeping project Adam Dolezal said the bees were all over that honeybees were mm-hmm. so, so they're already doing things yeah stuff's happening mm-hmm. it's incredible it's so different than last spring it was kind of cold wet for seeming like a really long time yeah although uh, I heard a report that this was the wettest winter on record just moisture yeah yeah it could be yeah how many times did it rain this winter? That was the weird thing. Seems like a lot. It seems like it shouldn't rain in December, mm. but it did. Yeah, and also the what is it? World record for warmest winter globally. Mm. So, mm-hmm. hashtag climate change. That's a contest we don't want to win. No, at <laughs> this time of year, <laughs> I don't want to have to sweat in December. If we're gonna be like Louisiana, I mean, oh. I'm thinking about being Canadian. Uh, all right, let's stay positive. Okay. Um, so much to talk about today. Uh, one thing to talk about is we're back because we took like a month hiatus. Did you see the last time we talked? Yeah, it was it's on the been 60. a few weeks. It's hard. Sorry. We're gonna get, we're gonna hit it though. We're coming back strong. Mm-hmm. Got a lot to talk about. And with that, we're not gonna be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> Spring break for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be out of town at the multi-state. Uh, soybean entomologist meeting and uh, get to hear about all our colleagues around the Midwest and the South and the pest problems they're having. Kudzu bug is going to be talked about. Yeah, you'll have to give us an update when you get back. Yeah, so not next week, but the week after. Okay. I'll share all the, as the kids say, I'll share all the deets yep. with the, uh, that's what I learned. Okay. Yeah. Okay, my awkward mic pause. Um, also today, uh, a couple things to talk about. Um, this week on Tuesday, uh, I got to participate in a farminar. You know what a farminar is? Well, I didn't before you did it. Yeah? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard of webinar, of course, and done that a couple times, but not a farminar. farminar. Farminar is like a webinar, but they put farm at the beginning of the word. And it's uh, sponsored by PFI, Practical Farmers of Iowa. They run this farminar program, I think from like November until now. They do one every week on a Tuesday, and they record. They do it live, right? And then they record it, and they make it available on their website. Like an archive. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if they did this with all of them, but with the one that I participated in, uh, they paired me with a farmer who had done some research, and the farmer talked about his experience doing the research, and then they asked me to talk about my experience, and we took questions. Mm-hmm. And the topic was uh, neonicotinoid seed treatments, the insecticidal seed treatments on soybeans. The farmer had done a, a strip trial, um, um, and he looked at whether or not he saw any benefit in terms of yield improvement. Don't spoil it for us. All right, you know what? I won't. Other, uh, but I will say this. The, it has uh, audio and video, or not, uh, well, slides. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Dick Sloan, who's the farm I was working with, he had some really nice pictures of his farm. 
guy's got a lot going on there, doing yeah. cover crops, doing strip trial tests, uh, doing all kinds of stuff. So we can post a link so people can watch your farminar, right? Yeah, there'll be a link in the text for the description of this episode. Okay. They can get that. And it's free on the PFI you website. You don't have to be a PFIer. Nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> so that was Tuesday, the 8th of March. Yeah. Um, and upcoming events? Yeah, we had we met last week as a pollinator working group. It's a actually a big number of people in a couple different departments, and it also includes some people that work for IDALS, the Department of Ag and Land Stewardship of Iowa. And one of our upcoming events that we had just kind of put on the calendar is Pollinator Fest. It kind of is the end of a whole week of the National Week. National Week of Pollinator yeah. Fest. So ours uh, kind of is a. Iowa centric, but uh, this we did this last year, um, and it's a so it's going to be a repeat, and it'll be at Ryman Gardens on the twenty fifth of June. So this will be the second annual. Yep. And uh, it sounds like we're going to have good participation. The Monarch Group, we have a Monarch Consortium here at Iowa State. They're going to come and talk about the progress they're making towards providing habitat for monarchs. Yeah, which, and they have a milkweed demo out there, so uh-huh. that'll be good. Yeah, and we talked about, what, eight or ten stations of hands-on activities for young people and people who are young at heart. And are we going to do it? The um, Do what? The honey tasting? Yeah, I just I just emailed Amy Toth yeah. today, and I said, how can I get access to, I don't know if you call them honey varieties, but different kinds of honey, yeah. that, you know, um, based on different uh, resources that bees forage on and so we're going to have different kinds of honey to taste and maybe some honey lemonade so i'm going out to north carolina mm-hmm. i will uh now every and i'm going to idaho and california i think every place i go from here on out i want to buy some honey local honey yeah great yeah because honey takes on the flavor of whatever they're foraging on yeah there's some crazy ones out there the citrus honeys amazing tastes like citrus yeah like oranges yeah in your honey yeah <laughs> What's not to like about that? Orangey honey. <laughs> so excited she's knocking the table. <gasps> well, I have some for everybody. Yeah, so um, I can provide more information when that comes, um, but maybe just put that on the calendar. 25th of June, that's uh, Saturday, Ryman Gardens. And Ames. Uh, Ames. Yep. And our last thing to talk about is the person to my left. Saving the best for last. Yeah. 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 Lurking in the darkness. Oh, look, there he is. <laughs> There's my voice. <laughs> what timing. Yeah. So Matt Kaiser, like Kaiser Roll, like Kaiser Sosa, you're a soon-to-be freshly minted PhD. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Got that new PhD smell on you? Yeah. <laughs> Full of energy and excitement and Look at positivity. It. Life hasn't worn him down yet. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's from the same place that I got my PhD, the University of Minnesota in St. Paul. Good school. Yeah. It's good. So you've, you've defended your PhD? or, or I have not. Soon? Okay. Yeah, so soon, about uh, two weeks. Two weeks. The countdown has begun. The countdown has begun. Yeah. And you've already got a job lined up. Yeah. Sounds pretty sweet. Pretty Pretty good place to be. You'll be working with Dr. O'Neill. Hashtag winning. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Are the kids still doing the hashtag thing? Mm -mm. Is that something? No, No. they're not. Are they over that? (laughs) I think people are using them, but I I don't know how many are saying it vocally. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> just trying to stay relevant. Yeah. So anyway, you're down here. Let's talk about Matt. The other Matt. Eyes are not me. Uh, so tell us about your PhD. So the reason, uh, and before you do, I'm going to talk a little bit more. Uh, the reason you're here is, um, yeah, I'm going to hire Matt because we have a grant through the USDA to release an aphid parasitoid, a voracious natural enemy of the soybean aphid, uh, this spring and summer. And, you know, I'm an entomologist. I know something about bugs, but... There are literally books, right, written about parasitoids, parasitoid wasps, parasitoids of aphids, and uh, it takes a lot of knowledge to do this the right way. It takes right? a PhD. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> it does. And you have a PhD that's focused on parasitoids? Yeah, I've been surrounding mm -hmm. myself with clouds of these little wasps, uh, mostly, mostly in the lab, so these are the real... Real tiny guys, not like the big yellow jackets that are zooming around stealing your picnic. Because when people think, when the people hear right. wasp, they think the worst, right? They think like those, yellow jacket. Yeah, those little yeah. agents of hate that fly around in <laughs> yeah. the uh, summer. Tracker jackers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. But these these wasps are they about Ooh, the same relevant <laughs> pop cultural <laughs> reference? <laughs> these wasps are about the same size as a soybean aphid, maybe a little bit larger, or about what size are they? Uh, these are probably the the ones that we're talking about are probably even a little bit smaller so, so I mean, they're smaller than an aphid yeah we're in the you know you think of something running around crawling around sometimes flying but they mostly just kind of run around on the plants oh, okay and they're yeah i mean fruit fly and smaller sort of in that wow. uh -huh. in that range so okay. pretty tiny like, uh but like yeah, nanotechnology but tiny <laughs> maybe not i don't know about yeah i don't think i don't think so although i mean you think about it, it's the tiny thing that is still an animal composed of like organs and everything like they're yeah. so small it's just uh, uh, crazy to think about sometimes but yes they're great at uh, killing uh, aphids so uh, they, they seek out aphids as their hosts yeah only can, soybean aphid uh, okay. not only soybean aphid though um, so they, let's, they yeah. seem to prefer soybean aphid so the Let's one that we're ahead. thinking about well, the one that we have permission to release this summer yes. is Aphelinus glycinus. That's that correct. Right? Yeah. And it, what is, what's, what's in that name? What does that name mean? Uh, Anything? So Aphelinus, the first half, the genus, it's uh, uh, one whole group of these wasps that all specialize on aphids. So they, they won't sting anything else besides aphids. And sort of even within that, uh, this one is relatively newly discovered species, and its name is Aphis glycinus because it really likes Aphis glycines, the soybean aphid. Okay. So, so is it uh, also native to, to China, the same areas that soybean aphid was native? I believe so. I believe okay. that's where it was collected. Okay. In, uh, uh, in East Asia, I know, I guess I'm not sure which population we're using. I know they collected them in, in Korea and Japan and in uh, uh, and in China. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling right now because you're doing a great job doing everything that Aaron makes fun of me about, the tapping on the table. <laughs> it's so hard, isn't it? You get excited, you want to tap on the table. Uh, I, I, talk a lot, I talk a lot with my hands. So uh, me too, yeah, no me to, too. No well, and I've, I've got a face for podcasting, so oh. yeah, I mean, this works out great. <laughs> tapping, facial gestures. This is like a... <laughs> I'm trying to at least avoid the nails. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it's hard, it gets... A, <laughs> Science is exciting. So do you know if, 
if this wasp is doing a good job of taking care of soybean aphid in Eastern Asia? Uh, well, part of the deal is is that in uh, in the soybean aphids native range, there's just a whole lot of these kinds of wasps. There's okay. a big diversity oh, of them that okay. we don't have here. So, ah. uh, so it's one when the soybean aphids showed up, one of the things that uh, people thought was maybe the reason that it was such a pest here and not as much of a pest there was that, okay, we've got lady beetles, uh, we've got plenty of that. We have some parasitoids. That being predators, right? Yeah, that right. being predators, things like the hoverflies to mm-hmm. the surfids, stuff like that that eats aphids, but we didn't have as many of these kinds of parasitoids that, uh, that tend to be more specialized on specific species of aphids. So, like, this parasitoid really seems to prefer soybean aphid more than anything else, mm. and they can do a really good job of sort of following the aphid populations closely and sort of getting on them early uh, if they're okay. out in the field, as opposed to sometimes the lady beetles are out there and you get big numbers of them, but sometimes they don't move in until... They show up late to the party. Yeah. After you got hundreds yeah. and mm. damage is already done. But yeah. these parasitoids are more, what, sensitive to lower populations of aphids? They seem to do better at sort of suppressing populations when they're smaller mm. uh, and... and uh, being attracted to and sort of doing better in less sort of extreme high density uh, uh, pest populations. So we've tried this before with the soybean aphids. I mean, it's been done yeah. many times, right, with invasive insects and invasive aphids. Um, we tried it once before with the soybean aphid. We released a parasitoid, um, and it it didn't work in the sense that you know it would attack the aphid here, but it didn't affect the population. But more. I guess disappointingly was that it didn't overwinter. Is there any evidence that this Aphelinus glycinus can overwinter here? Um, I didn't mean to stomp, I don't. stump you, right? <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I don't know offhand. I, I haven't been, uh, I know some people have been working on that, trying to, uh, I believe it has been, uh, they've, they've I believe it's been found the spring after being released okay. uh, in the summer up in Minnesota. But uh, it's only, uh, it's sort of noon to the system, and so we're trying to get it out there. Uh, well, I'll go back and say this one that didn't work before uh, that seemed to not overwinter very well, uh, or at least that seems to be the case. One idea that was floated around was that it was kept in laboratory conditions in quarantine going through all these testing for too long it was in there for years and generations and generations and the thought is is that it it may have just lost its ability to Uh go into what we call diapause or sort of being able to hibernate for the winter they got wimpy so the Mm. hope is is that uh, it's kind of the opposite of me in the winter i lose the ability to go outside i've been inside for so long it's like the sun it burns it's the same you got wimpy yeah (laughs) You're moving into a diapause state. <laughs> so, avoid the sun. <laughs> I mean, that that's one thing that we'll for sure be looking for, is trying to uh, 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 get it out there uh, in sort of uh, on some farms and uh, mm-hmm. in different places and, and, and keep track of it and try to keep finding it and seeing how, how well it establishes in places, if it does better in some places than others. Uh, how it does on local aphid populations, and then also if we can find it the next uh, the next spring. Oh, he's ready to go. Look at <laughs> yeah. that energy. So when 
maybe a bit more of a basic question for those of our listeners who aren't totally in the know with parasitoids. Yeah. When they when they attack an aphid, they inject an egg into the aphid. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's an important distinction between these and uh, the predators, like the lady beetles. The predators are running around just eating aphids, mm-hmm. uh, but. These parasitoids, they can only complete their life cycle if they have an aphid host. So uh, uh, we call them parasitoids. It sounds a lot like parasite uh, for a reason, right? They're a parasite of the aphids. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, but, but unlike parasites, these uh, uh, ladies kill the aphid. Parasites in general don't typically kill their host, right? Right, that's right. So, so sort of what makes them special is that this teensy tiny little wasp is walking around, it finds an aphid that it can use as a host, it stings it, lays an egg inside it, that egg hatches inside the aphid, uh, grows up into a little tiny larva wasp inside the aphid, kills that aphid, and then eventually emerges as a new as a new wasp. So as a, as a farmer, as a, as a crop consultant, you're not, are you likely to see these wasps, or are you just likely to see infected aphids? You're more likely to see uh, the infected aphids. So, the it's commonly that, known as a mummy, is that right? right? The thing okay. that we uh, tell people to look for is uh, are these mummies. So mm-hmm. it's it's once the uh, once the aphid is dead, if it has one of these parasitoids inside it, it'll sort of <clears throat> turn into kind of a papery looking thing. And there's actually two different groups of these parasitoids that are attacking uh, that are attacking aphids. One of them makes kind of a brown mummy. The other one makes a little black football-shaped one. Um, brown mummy kind of looks like a an inflated balloon, sort of kind of bloated. Up. Yeah, bloated it's like a real aphids. puffy aphid that's just like dry brown um, kind of stuck paper mache to a, kind of thing, to the plant? just stuck to the leaf. Yeah, like a pinata, like a little aphid pinata <laughs> that's just waiting to burst oh, open. Yeah. And, some, and that's a because a child with a baseball bat just to beat the. <laughs> and then all the little aphid kids. All right, am I taking that too far? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just. It could be. It, it's because the larva is consuming the inside of the aphid event for yeah. food and yeah. eventually killing the aphid. Is that right? Yeah. It's basically yeah. that that little wasp larva is turning all of the internal tissue of the aphid into nutrients that it's using for itself, oh. and then it's building its yeah. own body from that. That's yeah. where all of its food for development is coming from the aphid. How long does that take? Uh, it takes generally in the ballpark of like a week to a week and a half uh-huh. okay. um, uh, until they turn into that mummy. Uh-huh. Uh, and then also, depending on species, then they might sort of sit there as that mummy for another week um, okay. so for out the- in the field as the, as the parasitoid is completing development, as that wasp is sort of finishing putting itself together. They go through metamorphosis like other things like butterflies or beetles, so there's it takes them a little bit of time before they can. They got uh, some work to do. Get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Gotta they got to put their whole body back together. Mm-hmm. It's like a. And they're doing this <laughs> inside another organism. A little yeah, bit. this is all it's happening. Yeah. So uh, if you're someone Hashtag out there, amazing. <laughs> if you're out there looking for, you're scouting for aphids, and you notice aphids that look maybe off color, they look bloated, or they just actually turned into a mummy. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great thing. Uh, so it's hard to. S- tell a lot of times with live ones whether they're going to be sort of turning into these mummies, whether they've okay. been parasitized or not. 
sometimes uh, I've been staring at a lot of them under a microscope and stuff like that, so I can sort of see, like, oh, I bet that one tomorrow is going to turn into a mummy. But yeah. otherwise, eh, it's kind of hard to tell. But once they're that mummy, then it's for okay. sure. It's That's it's not an aphid. That's okay. a little, you know, little thing that looks like a tiny black football the yeah. size of an aphid. Yeah. So the aphilinus glycinus, the one yeah. we're going to release, turns them into little tiny fo- black yeah, footballs? Yeah, little tiny black footballs. Okay. Mm. About the size of an aphid, but it's oh, but yeah, it's yeah. more uh, more sort of that uh, that shaped. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Thank you. <laughs> so do you, uh, uh, maybe not you, but is it known yeah. the development time for this species that we're going to release? I don't know for this species specifically. Okay. Uh, so that'd be something we need to know, right? Right. I mean, we'd have at yeah. least for I believe I believe it is known. I believe I just don't or right. I don't know it. Um, but that's going to be something. Yeah. And that do you think that would vary like with temperature or are these things kind of set in their development time? It it I would imagine it would vary to some extent for sure. Uh-huh. Uh uh, these are another insect. They're all uh, sort of cold-blooded animals. They're they're real dependent on temperature for how how fast cell processes happen, and that affects sort of how fast they develop. So there's for sure going to be an effect of uh, uh, of temperature. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how much uh, sort of within the range of the temperatures that we're going to have around yeah. here, uh, how much uh, how much it'll vary. So if I could maybe just paraphrase, you guys are going to rear these wasps and purposely release them out in commercial soybean this summer. Is that the plan? Oh, look at that awkward pause. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is that is that the plan? Uh, is to yeah, do some releases yeah. this summer? Yeah, it is the plan. And so if you can get some, uh, some they they can find aphids. They can attack them. So sting the, them. There's two things uh, that are going on here um the you said we're going to rear actually we're not going to do the rearing not okay right we have got this great colleague at uh usda who can rear up to three to i think he said four hundred thousand of these wasps every couple of weeks you know maybe maybe it's every three weeks given what you just said um and so we're going to get shipments of those, okay. and then our um, our goal is to release them at sites in Iowa. And uh, this is where I'm going to kind of turn the the job over to Matt. I've identified a couple of sites where we're going to release these that are ISU University farms. They're um, they're more or less commercial in the way that they're they have managed. bulk areas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, the, there's a couple questions I want to have Matt answer. One is, you know. What happens when you do this in terms of how this wasp responds to the growing conditions in Iowa? And what does it look like when they're out there and for how long can you get, you know, the parasitoid to go from the, you know, release of the, let's say we we get a mummy in the mail, right? We put that out from the time that the wasp adult emerges to the next generation. How long did that take? And then do those wasps persist throughout the growing season? Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, you want to know if it's going to impact the aphid population, but we're releasing even even with several hundred thousand that may come our way, it's a drop in the bucket, right? Given the millions of acres of soybeans and all. Yeah. Uh, so it, there's some like some fine details I think we want to measure to 
get a sense of what we could expect. And then along the way, we'll measure the impact on aphids. Um, I don't know if we'll see an immediate impact. Uh, this project has funding for just the one year. We got a renewal for two. I think we can get one more year of funding. So we've got about a three-year window here where we could see uh, one if we can get them established, and then if there would be an impact on aphids. So I'm sort of putting that into Matt's hands to do this in a way that will, um, as we're at the start of this project, give us some insight into whether it can happen whether for us in Iowa. And then what would be some things that we might have to do to uh, more you know, likely in, uh, get an establishment to occur. So one of the things that we've done in selecting these sites is pick fields that are in just real simple landscape, just corn and soybean, and then others where there's non-crop habitat around. And I don't know if that would affect the, these wasps. I mean, they, they seem like they really, really focused on the aphid, but the wasps have other needs as well, right? I mean, they, they need a nice little habitat to maybe overwinter in. Do they feed on other things? I know for some of the larger wasps, they'll feed on flowers and get nectar and stuff. So some sugar resources. Yeah, these Do, will these will look for other sugar resources. You know, they'll they'll also feed on the honeydew, the sticky stuff that the aphids are oh. uh, are sticking out. But uh, they'll also. Uh, uh, if you're rearing them in the lab, if you have, if you give them some sugar and water source, the adults live a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, one kind of cool thing about these wasps is that, as adults, if they're hungry, they will also sometimes just uh, do what we call host feeding. So sometimes they will sting an aphid, and instead of laying an egg inside it, they'll just eat it. Uh, so they'll sting it, paralyze it, and then. Uh, oh. Uh, just eat it right there. Lap so. up the blood coming out of it like a <laughs> vampire. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> Let me just, so it's, sort, just, it's sort of a double threat as yeah, far yeah, yeah. as, you know, they're going out there, they're looking for aphids that they can lay eggs in for the next generation. But oh, if uh, if they're sort of feeling Insult a little down, they can, uh, they can just uh, uh, take one right there. And, hmm. uh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. Insects are amazing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, getting back to like the big picture questions, if sugar and water in the lab is something that these critters need, if having that yeah. around in the, mm -hmm. the farm is helpful, maybe that would give us some insight of where our best bet is to get these established. And mm -hmm. then hopefully they could spread out from there. Or maybe not, maybe host feeding is enough for them. Maybe just having the aphid uh, around would be sufficient. Yeah, those are all things we'll be looking at. And and also, uh, just to point out, so we're talking about like releasing this thing out in the fields. It's important to uh, sort of mention that we're not just sort of bringing something over from another continent and just releasing it willy-nilly in the fields of Iowa just to sort of, hey, let's see what happens. But there's really, uh, a lot of research has already gone into it making sure, so you already know that this little wasp we know it only attacks aphids, and then within aphids, it tends to only attack a relatively few number of species that are like soybean aphid and a few closely related species, a number of other uh, others of which are also uh, pests. Really? So, um, do you know? Do you know? By any chance, are the aphids that feed on corn? I don't know offhand. I I don't uh, I don't believe so. The feed uh, within the, the genus aphids. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, uh, 
seems to do best within right within the genus Aphis. So are, are, the, the are ones on corn the, are. The, go ahead. I was you were going right where I was headed. Oh, the ones on on, on corn are in a different uh, genus. Different, yeah, different genus and even sort of different, mm-hmm. more different than uh, that. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they went through this this species and, and other species before that. They go through a really strict screening program. And so yeah, they, absolutely. They do all those tests for what kind of hosts do they like to feed on and, and yeah. all those kinds of things. So it's been screened really rigorously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so, so yeah, that's good to mention. Once, once all that sort of, uh, uh, once that work has been done, then it sort of then begins the process of uh, just applying for a permit. Uh, mm-hmm. So if it if it if that doesn't seem if it seems like and there was actually one uh, in the past that uh, scientists looked at and thought, oh, maybe this will be really great. And in the lab, it ended up sort of attacking everything. Uh, again, these are only aphids, but still within aphids, it was attacking lots of different kinds of aphids. So we didn't even apply for... They put the brakes on that one. Yeah, put the brakes on oh. it said, we're not even going to apply for a permit for this. It's too, because too scary. It's just, yeah, it's just uh, we don't want to open the door to sort of, you know, when we're introducing something like this, we want something that's going to be really more closely tied to the actual pest that we're targeting, not yeah. just sort of dumping another natural enemy, another... That uh, might disrupt predator. native... That might, yeah, that we sort of... Yeah, that we just don't... Cause uh, some unintended harm. Right, don't know as much about. So yeah. sort of the, the hope is, is to, to find something like this one is that's more of a specialist that's really going to be sort of just going after soybean haven. That's cool. Hey, how are we doing on time? We're about 30 minutes. Goes quickly, doesn't it? It sure does. We should probably. This is one of our longer ones. Should we wrap yeah. this one up? Matt's yeah. going to be around for a while. I was going to say we should. Days. We should follow up in the yeah. summer when you actually start doing some of the releases and tell us how it's going. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Thanks. Yeah. I'd love yeah. To. All right. Okay. That was a good one. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay.